1: Good morning. I am sorry to begin our worship this morning with the news of the sudden and unexpected death this last week of Ken Keep. Ken who always kept a small cluster of joy and conversation in the hallways each Sunday who drove folks who needed a ride to and from church, whose signature Hawaiian shirts spoke both to his seemingly impermeability to cold and his aloha spirit. He passed away suddenly this week. He will be greatly missed. And so as a custom of this congregation, we extinguish a light in honor of him. Welcome everybody. I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the Senior Minister of the First Unitarian Universal Society of San Francisco and it's wonderful to have all of you here from all of the places from which you join us this morning. Welcome. Martin Luther King Jr. gave his last sermon at the Bishop Charles J. Mason Temple in Memphis on April 3rd, 1968. It was his, I've been to the mountaintop sermon, and in it he imagines God asking him, Martin Luther King, which age would you like to live in? And King goes through the different ages of time, examining each one, and then he chooses this one, the one he's in, and he says, among other things, and another reason that I'm happy to live in this period is that we have been forced to a point where we are going to have to grapple with the problems that men have been trying to grapple with through history. This morning, we're going to talk about part of what it takes to do the reconciling work of moving beyond division to grapple and heal the problems of this day. So welcome. I want to thank everybody who made this Sunday possible. So I want to start with our musicians, with Reiko oda with the beautiful organ music, to Mark Sumnerar choir director and accompanist this morning and to our beautiful singers Leandra Ram, Brielle Marina Nielsen, Ben Rudiak Gould, Asher Davidson. I want to thank our tech crew, Jonathan who's always such a fabulous puller together of this miracle of modernity, Jonathan Silk, and to our camera people Eric Shackelford, and Shuli Ong, to Joe Chapeau, who's on chat. So if you have questions, please ask Joe. I want to thank also the people who are helping me lead worship this morning here on the chancel To, to Meg McGuire, who just had a nice week off that she earned and is back with us, our ministerial intern, who we're so grateful for. And to Dennis Adams, our worship associate, Dennis, whose professional life is as a trained clown among many of his gifts and who's a joy to have here every time he's with us. If you join Coffee Hour, please thank our hosts who make that time together possible. And thanks to Judy Payne for the happy flowers that bring sunshine into the sanctuary this morning, more of it. If you're here for your first time, I invite you to download the order of service so that you can follow along Let's begin worship lighting the candle that we light every week since we have begun this time begun this time apart. And in lighting it we recognize all of you who are with us here in this space in spirit until such time as we can be together again in body.
2: for our chalice lighting. You can find the words in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together.
3: If this is your first time watching, we're so glad you're here. As Vanessa mentioned, you can follow along in the order of service, which is available in the description of this video and is emailed to everyone who receives our newsletter. So if you don't yet receive our newsletter, we encourage you to sign up through the link in the order of service or in the video description. And today, and just about every week after worship, you're invited to join our zoom coffee hour where you can connect more deeply with others in this community. Toward the end of the service, Joe Chapeau will place the link in our chat. And again, you can find it in the order of service and the video description. Also in your order of service, you'll find a list of upcoming opportunities to connect, learn and practice with others in this community. We invite you to read through the offerings and join in anything that interests you. I'll point out just a few in particular. Today at 1.30 p.m., the Sunday Forum and the Human Rights Working Group will be hosting the Reverend Leslie Takahashi, who is the senior minister of the Mount Diablo UU Church in Walnut Creek and is the outgoing chair of the Commission on Institutional Change. Reverend Takahashi will be speaking on the work of that commission and the report widening the circle of the concern that many of us in this congregation have been making our way through this year. You may note that the time of this event has changed, so I'll just say it once more, it is at 1.30 p.m. today, not at 1, and we hope that you'll be able to join us. This Tuesday, January 19th, UUSF will be hosting a blood drive from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. here at the center. Strict safety measures are being taken due to COVID-19, and your contributions are as essential as ever. We're looking for four more signups so that we can meet our goal. So you can sign up through the link in the order of service to reserve your appointment. And one more reminder, if you're looking for ways to build deeper connections within this community, consider again joining our small group ministries program. You can sign up for the spring 2021 session between now and January 29th. And now I'll turn it over for a special announcement from the Reverend John Burens.
4: In just a few weeks, on the 6th of February, UUSF is going to be holding its annual auction to support vital church programs. The goal is $30,000. Much needed in our church budget because our UU center has been closed due to COVID and the many community groups that we both try to help and then who give us something in return have not been able to meet here. Yet the costs go on. The auction committee, I think Ken would approve of this, chose an aloha theme, thinking of our most multicultural state and in keeping with our own commitments to dismantling white supremacy culture. One item that will be up for auction is a trip for two to Hawaii, airfare included, with high-end hospitality provided by our friends at the church in Honolulu and then reciprocated for two of their members back here. Air miles were donated to make this possible, and it includes a celebratory meal. Redeemable, we hope, next fall or winter when we can travel again. But we also need other donations. Meals, delivered with masks on now or shared later in person when possible. I'm giving a meal to be delivered that I learned from Jotam Otolengi, a delicious vegetarian soup. It's been taste tested by some members. And I'm also next winter going to donate a northern Italian feast with good wines when we can gather around a common table again. What can you offer or donate? An object of art, a craft, a skill, a conversation? Every one of us should try to have something left over after we take care of ourselves to help someone else or a cause greater than ourselves. And no community helps remind us more of this than this church community so please let us know what you might have left over that you'd be willing to offer to the auction joe chapeau and the church office will be glad to help you fill out the form and thanks
1: and now i invite us into the deepening of worship by singing together our meditation on breathing if you are new to our community the words are simple So just listen and then choose a part you'd like to join in on and get lost in it as we repeat it through together.
5: When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in. breathe out.
2: that you're nice and centered and grounded it's time for our covenant and doxology the words to which you'll find in your order of service if you'd like to join in love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer this is our great covenant to dwell together in peace to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another
3: that there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes we ring our gong this morning in honor of three such places of suffering and struggle we ring our gong first as we have since July of 2019 for those lives held and those lives lost in federal custody in our detention camps. For the mounting trauma to children separated from their families, for all people held without charges in less than transparent or humane circumstances. In this repeat of some of the most shameful chapters in our nation and our world's history of xenophobia and racism, we ring our gong seven times for this week of days for which we bear responsibility as citizens, for this violation of human dignity done in our name. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses this week to COVID-19, this week 106,440 people died of COVID-19 globally. A devastating 24,608 of those in the United States alone. We hold in our hearts all of these losses, each one of those people precious, whole and worthy of love. And we hold in our hearts all who continue to risk their lives to provide essential services, those suffering from loss of employment, those whose lives are especially vulnerable to the disease and all whose isolation and struggle through grief and loneliness grows harder the longer this pandemic continues. We ring our gong one final time this morning in lament. Lament for the more than 400 years of trauma since the first of the generations of people were stolen from their land. In lament for centuries of violence inflicted on black bodies, for the outright brutality and the violence disguised as bureaucracy, in lament for the generational trauma and injustice at the hands of systems that waste and constrain life, that seek to crush possibility before it can flower, for this ongoing collective wound that we carry. And as we lament, we also remember and celebrate the excellence, joy and incredible resilience of black people. And the relentless dream of freedom, equity and liberation for all. We live into that dream that it may be fully lived. There is so much to remember and to hold. May we keep those we have named and their loved ones in our thoughts and in our prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can. I invite you to join me now in the spirit of prayer and meditation. Spirit of life, mystery that flows within and between us, abiding love beyond our naming. We gather this morning with stories fears, and hopes, as unique as each of us, grounded nevertheless in shared longing and shared commitment. We gather this morning in our wholeness and imperfection with our broken hearts and our steadfast commitment holding losses deeply personal and undeniably shared. We gather this morning with gratitude for that within and around us which is constantly adapting and regenerating that reminds us that we and our world are always being made and remade. With gratitude for those who have traveled this way before us, our well ancestors of blood and spirit for their resilience and their gifts. With gratitude for the deep knowing that our liberation is inextricably bound up together. For that longing within each one of us that we may together get free. And for the love that guides us, holds us and calls us forward. For all this and for those whispers within each one of us, May we enter now into a time of shared silence. May we remember that our lives and the work of transformation to which we are called are always shared. May it be so.
2: I think we can all agree that we need our clowns, our zanies, our fools. My clown spirit and soul were sore amazed at the ferocity of the deadly attack on our capital on January 6th, the hate and anger palpable and obvious to all. I'm having trouble wrapping my mind around the events of that day and the ongoing threats of violence and disruption. It comes as no surprise now that the capital has become an armed compound complete with concertina wire and thousands of armed National Guard troops. In fact, every state's capital is under threats of attack. During a time when we should all be concentrating on our health, we're pulled into this political upheaval. Thank God they figured out who inflamed this out of control mob and even impeached him for it. One way I stay true to my clown spirit is to show up at our Wednesday morning vigils it feels like a little bit of justice to protest such inflammatory acts as separating children from their families and putting them in cages. And I think it shows our church's heart to the community as they pass by these weekly gatherings. I used to find a great deal of grace in clowning, so privileged to share in the lives of precious children. Often I was the oldest person in the crowd having the best time. Now I wonder how much the little ones are being affected first by the pandemic separation Then this news of adults acting like crazy movie characters on a riotous rampage. The loss of my mother recently has removed from my life her constant, calming words and wisdoms. I was so bereft at her passing, I wondered if I'd ever laugh again. The long Sunday afternoon conversations she and I would have every week will comprise the best memories I keep of her. In my personal life with my three siblings, I've always seen myself as the oddball the outsider, never married, no kids, flying solo, as it were. And somehow, over the years, I've allowed, and perhaps even helped build, a sort of insurmountable wall between my sister and I. And as we went through the process of losing our mom, that wall seemed to melt away. She is a hugely talented theater instructor, director, mom, and now a grandma herself. And she's a fellow Unitarian. It's hard to describe how great it feels to have her back in my life, but it makes me very happy. Yes, I had a rough 2020, but so did we all. I have high hopes for 2021, though looking at the political landscape, it's hard to get too overly optimistic. It was a very hard blow to hear of the passing of Ken Keep. He was a clown at heart and so full of good life. I'll never forget his silly fish hat and his corny jokes. His presence here will surely be missed. Still, as always, I say, we need the clowns and the zanies, the fools, to lift us up and remind us not to get stuck in negative walls and borders, to show some sparkle, glitter, and shine to a world seemingly awash in turmoil and darkness. We all know laughter is healing. It's a blessing that we have the capacity for laughter and joy. Please share that gift as often as you can, even now, especially now. Blessings.
0: I went up to the mountain Because you asked me to above over the cloud To where the sky is blue I could see all around me everywhere I could see all around me everywhere Sometimes I feel like sometimes I've I feel never like... been nothing but Tired <laughs> and I'll be working, working, working. Til the day I till the day I expire Sometimes I lay down Sometimes I lay down. No more can I do No more can no. I do because you ought to get you ask me to.
6: Some days I look down
0: Just over the mountain, the peaceful valley.
1: I forgot to mention that Eric Shackelford was going to be doing our, our camera person was going to be doing a guest solo. Thank you so much, Eric. That was gorgeous. Our reading this morning is, it's written by Harriet Lerner, who is a clinical psychologist who is probably most famous for her book, The Dance of Anger but who wrote a book in 2017 titled, Why Don't You Apologize? Healing Big Hurts and Everyday Betrayals. This quote is, that's our reading this morning, is taken from an interview that Harriet Lerner did with Brene Brown in Brown's Unlocking Us podcast. And it's from an interview that was aired on May 5th, 2020 about this same subject. Lerner says, in apologizing, we have to admit that we are not perfect people, that we screwed up and some of us don't want to see that. So it doesn't feel like it's a gift to the self, but it's the greatest gift to the self. Because in the long term, we grow up in maturity and self worth. I will grow in maturity and self worth when I can see myself objectively. I can orient toward reality. I can take responsibility for operating at your expense. This is the basis of good self esteem. This is the basis of self-respect. So to sum it up, although we may feel vulnerable and small in apologizing, or I might feel that I'll lose the respect of the other person. Parents tell me I don't want to apologize to my kids. They won't respect my authority. It's the opposite. I will be more respected with a good apology. So we actually grow in resilience, in happiness, in maturity and integrity. We grow in these things, one heartfelt apology at a time.
6: Building bridges between our divisions, I reach out to you, will you reach out to me? With all of our voices and all of our visions, friends, we could make such sweet harmony.
5: Building bridges between our divisions, I
6: reach out to you, will you reach out to divisions. me. We are not our you. voices you and we're our, our, our visions. I reach out to you, will you reach out to me. We are not our voices and we're not our visions. Our I, our 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 divisions. Divisions. I reach out to you. I voices, voices and harmony. Sweep voices and harmony. make such sweet harmony. harmony. Friends, we could make such sweet harmony. harmony.
1: Those of you who are tracking my sermons may have realized that this is part two really today of a sermon that I preached at Yom Kippur this last fall, part of this conversation about the complicated work of reconciliation. And really, I wanted to talk today about the simple act of saying I'm sorry. More so literally about what a good apology that is to say, one that has the power to heal looks like. I got an email this week in response just to the topic <clears throat> and description in the newsletter. It came from longtime member Mary Jane McCaria, and she gave me permission to share it with you. Mary Jane wrote, When I was a UUSF religious education teacher of second and fourth graders, one of the religious education sessions was devoted to how to make a heartfelt apology. We discussed the elements of what were in such a sincere apology and then we practiced it in pairs. It was an active session which was well accepted the students needed help to learn how to describe to the injured person what they did to cause such hurt and then apologize. I told them about empathizing with, by saying, you didn't deserve that. For example, my attack on you, my wrong assumption about what you meant when you said this, this is a great topic. Most people don't know how to make a good apology. Thank you for recognizing apologies as peace building. <laughs> I think we can just thank Mary Jane now and I'll go home. Oh, well, you are at home probably, so <laughs> turn off the live stream. Because she's basically God at the gist of it. And what I love, love, love most about her email is the fact that she taught this in a religious education class for children seven to 10 years old. It makes me so proud of us because as she explains so clearly and succinctly, it is such a basic but central life skill. And it takes us all the way to the back fence, which is a baseball reference to that place where you get to mark something as a home run, to the back fence with her noting that apologies are peace building. Yes. It seems so simple, an apology, sort of. But there may be but there may be and are better and worse apologies, which is to say more or less healing ways to make an apology. And the making of them, better or worse, has both intimate and global significance, depending on when and where you're doing them. Harriet Lerner, who we read from this morning, says a badly made apology can actually deepen rifts. So it's not so simple. We all know bad apologies. We feel them when we give them and when we receive them. They feel empty, often like we or the other person just want to get them over with, but we aren't really invested in them. A bad apology, in my experience, often turns things back on the one being apologized to and doesn't adequately see or name the hurt that was done. I'm sorry your feelings got hurt. I didn't realize you were so sensitive. That would be one example of a pretty bad apology. What it really says is, right, well, you're such a delicate flower, and I'm being nice taking any of the blame. I'm not sure what healing happens in such moments or what empathy or thought went into preparation for them. By contrast, Mary Jane's instructions to her class directed her kids much more clearly to the point. Notice what she said, learn how to describe the injury you did to the other person so they know you see it, understand it. We all know how powerful, deeply powerful it is to be seen and understood whenever it happens. And that, as Mary Jane also rightly pointed out, requires empathy. There is no shortcut to a real apology because it requires at its heart, putting our heart imaginatively, as imaginatively as we can, into someone else's reality. Even though you know you won't do it perfectly. Maybe even saying, for instance, I cannot imagine exactly how this must have felt for you, but for me to have been on the receiving end of this, it would have felt demeaning and more hurtful because it came from someone I loved and trusted, for example. To name all of that, which I think is hard, for the reasons that Harriet Lerner pointed out in the reading this morning, in part because it requires from the beginning that we admit that we are not perfect. And so maybe, maybe we have to say out loud what is always true for all of us when hurt or harm is done. To say, as Mary Jane instructed her kids, our kids, to say it out loud, you didn't deserve what I did. And wish I hadn't. And here's the kicker. To do all of that without slipping in excuses or justifications or bringing up other hurts that this person did to us. All of which is one way to mitigate our accountability for the hurt. Make us feel a little better about it. A true apology, Harriet Lerner says, does not include the word but. Think about that rule. How many times have I violated it? How many times have we violated it? But it's so obvious once it's stated, right? I mean, saying, sometimes you make me angry, so angry that I wanna say mean things and I'm sorry for that, or that I say mean things. I mean, that's not a healing apology, right? Not really, not fully. It still holds in it evidence that the person who did the harm is not taking full responsibility for what they did and the wrong of it, right? It's still holding out this little bit of justification, perhaps for when and why they might do it again. However, if you are like me, and I hope for your sake on this matter you're not, it's super hard to leave out that but. I mean, how often is it that you or I do something mean or thoughtless completely out of the blue? There's always a lead up, right? I mean, there's always at the very least an incredibly busy day or a bad night's sleep or ignorance. And just as often there is also present, often, previous interpersonal friction or another hurt that preceded the one just before we dealt out ours, one that we didn't name and we didn't ask for accountability and healing around. And yet, Lerner says that we have to leave all of that out in the apologizing moment. She says, we can go back later, you and I, and later we can ask for another conversation about circumstances that aren't working for us or patterns in the relationship that need changing, or even about past hurts. But in the moment of our apology, we have to leave all that unnamed and unscheduled and just do our own empathetic, humbling apologizing. Have any of you done that lately? Or experienced that lately? Received it? I have. I have actually both offered and received this kind of apology in the last few months, and it's probably what had me thinking about this sermon topic. Because both experiences have made me aware of how hard it is and how disciplined and intentional emotionally that we have to be to do all of it. <laughs> to be present to the harm we've done, to speak it, to say how the other person does not deserve it, and how sorry we are. Speak aloud about our imperfection. And I'll also say how much when I'm harmed I appreciate receiving that kind of apology. How wary I am, to be honest, waiting and listening when the apology starts for the part that might not name the hurt done empathetically, that won't say that I didn't deserve it, as the ground that we stand on in that moment, unambiguous and unmuddied, and not try to justify the hurt, or worse, blame it on me in some way, to just say the good apology is hard and it is clean and to receive the good apology is good and it is clean. It is like washing out a wound before you put a bandage on it. It is healing or peacemaking, as Mary Jane rightly put it. A good apology is not guaranteed peacemaking. People can always feel the rift is unbridgeable. We we just make one to give peace the best chance we can, right? As Harriet Lerner said in her interview with Brene Brown, I believe that the words, the two words, I'm sorry, are the most important words in our language. We are all connected. We all screw up. We're all imperfect beings. And for this reason, we need to give and receive apologies. And that need will be with us until our very last breath. So all of that is why I wanted to talk granularly about the subject of saying I'm sorry because it's so essential to our personal life and also our life goals, the carnage we do not want to leave behind, the healing we do want to leave behind, the love we want to make real. And... It is also not an accident that I chose this topic for this particular weekend. This Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Because as King said on his April 3rd sermon, the day before his life was taken from him and from us. When he said about why he would choose this chapter of life again, the one he was in where he said, and another reason that I'm happy to live in this period is that we have been forced to a point where we are going to have to grapple with the problems that men have been trying to grapple with through history. We're in that place too, aren't we? so clear it's felt so deeply that way this last year in particular and forced to deal with those problems racism and the ravages of white supremacy culture unexamined poverty and its human and spiritual carnage to name only two of those problems this will require at a national level what we must be ready and able to do and learn first at a personal level We must know how to apologize and apologize in ways that have a chance of leading to healing. And as a nation, we have to start talking about, about it. And as a community, we have to continue to practice it the ways we have also begun talking about very explicitly in this community. And here, I wanna take a hat off to the creative team that put together our two white zone skits over this last year, who have thoughtfully brought us examples of the harm that has been done and is still being done, the racial harm that continues here, and clues about how to move beyond it. Because this is what we need to be doing here, here, so that we can do it nationally. I've asked Joe, by the way, to put in a link to the newest of the skits so that those of you who had not seen it can watch it and those of you who want to can re-watch it. This apologizing, it's such a pivotal life skill for us right now and it's such a spiritual practice we have to get really, really proficient at to get where we want to go together. And it includes, by the way, always asking as part of this process, is there anything I can do to mend the harm I've done? And then, if at all possible, being accountable to do that work that's asked of us, which, by the way, could mean anything, right? It could mean going to a 12-step meeting when our spouse asks it of us or reading White Fragility if the church member who we microaggressed against asks that of us or keeping our distance and leaving the person alone that we have apologized to because they asked that of us, or returning native lands and a host of other things. This too is a crucial piece of our accountability that is part of our apologizing also. And I think Mary Jane would agree, also part of this peace building. Finally, friends, I chose the topic for today knowing also that this weekend was the weekend before the inauguration. I had no idea how much more fraught and divided we would feel at this moment. I knew there was harm that had been done we had to pay attention to, but I had no idea how increasingly challenging it might be to bring us all to the table to do this work or how the stakes and importance of doing so would have risen. But here we are. In a world where last Sunday I put the staff and lay leaders on high alert about COVID-19's new mutation, asking everyone to wear their KN95 masks on Sunday, and anytime we were in this building in close quarters or on the steps at our rally on Wednesday morning. And last night I had to put the staff on high alert because of threats of attacks against liberal churches that are circulating around the country. I know you and I had hoped that this this new year could start fresh and hopeful, I think we begin it recommitted to what I'll call a determined kind of hope. Because as Martin Luther King Jr. said, we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. As he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. As he said, forgiveness is not an occasional act, it is a permanent attitude. As he said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. And as he said, Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. So we gather to remind ourselves and one another of what it might mean to live this way. One recommitment at a time, one gathered up skill at a time, this Gorgeous and glorious community of fools and clowns, of second graders and works in the progress, grown ups, people of faith, asking of themselves the deepest empathy and accountability, trying to give real peace and healing a chance. One apology, one day at a time. And in this way, with grace and luck and spirit, laying the groundwork for a truly beautiful, dreamed of, hopeful, brand new day. May it be so. Amen. i mm-hmm. our comings and our goings may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are living. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.